Well, hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today on this very beautiful Tuesday. Started out a little bit cool this morning. I came up here and actually joined uh, Bernie and Ian for Acadiana's Morning News this morning, and it was um, a little bit chilly, actually. So, uh, gotten a little bit warmer, but it feels very nice outside. And it looks like we will have another fairly pleasant day coming tomorrow as well. So please enjoy this week. Tell your kids to go outside and enjoy the week, too, before they go back to school and start testing with all this wonderful standardized testing that happens every year around this time of year. 232-1542 if you want to call in and take part in the conversation. As usually happens, I have some vague idea of what I'm going to talk about when I come into the studio. And more often than not, something at the very last minute changes what I want to talk about. In this case, it's CNN analyst Chris Saliza, who is one of those people, if he tells you that the sky is blue, you need to go outside and check just to make sure and then possibly get your eyes checked. He's wrong that often. He is the epitome of conventional wisdom in Washington, D.C. And he has this piece at CNN that just went live a little while ago. This could be the new sneaky big issue of the 2022 election. Now, with a clickbait article like that, you've got to think it's something major, it's something new, something shocking. With all the focus on inflation and its impact on the coming midterm elections, we may be overlooking another issue gaining traction among the American public. Immigration. Somebody out there needs to inform Chris Saliza that the only way immigration is a sneaky issue is if you've been asleep since July, when Biden's poll numbers on immigration actually didn't look that bad. Immigration as an election issue right now is about as sneaky as a ninja driving an 18-wheeler that's currently on fire. We've known for months that immigration was going to be a big issue and the Title 42 debacle that's about to happen at the border is going to make it even worse. Let's look at the polling because you guys know I love looking at the polling numbers. It is the issue on the Real Clear Politics polling average for Joe Biden. It is the issue that he is actually averaging the worst on at 24 points underwater. The most recent poll, ABC News Ipsos, has him 37 to 60 approval to disapproval. That's a 23-point spread. However, the Politico Morning Consult poll from from the beginning of the month actually gives you some very, very bad numbers for the Biden administration. That number... If you break down, if you break the if you break the polling down, it's a 21 point spread. So it's a little bit better than the subsequent ABC News poll. But you've got to look at the breakdowns because it is incredible. The question in this poll, do you approve or disapprove of how President Biden is handling each of the following? And this particular subject is immigration. Among registered voters, like I said, it's a 21 point spread. You have uh, 35 to uh, 56. So 21 point underwater. However, if you scroll down the demographics 
and look at it. Among Hispanic voters, 26% somewhat approve, 12% strongly approve. That's 38%. Among Hispanic voters, 31% strongly disapprove and 19% somewhat disapprove. That's a, that is a, let's see, 38 to 60. That is a 22-point spread underwater among Hispanic voters on his handling of immigration. And that's before this planned surge that we're going to see. Because uh, uh, Border Patrol is already preparing to unleash 600,000 immigrants into communities along the border. They're going to release 600,000 immigrants who have come across the border. In anticipation of the surge that will happen as Title 42 expires next month. That's going to create an even bigger immigration crisis, and that is already upsetting a lot of Hispanic voters. The very people whose families came here legally, went through the process, turn and see what's happening at the border and what the Biden administration is allowing, and the Biden administration is now 22 points underwater, on the issue of immigration. Absolute bloodbath in November. 232-1542. When we come back, more issues plaguing the Biden administration. We'll talk about the mask mandate and all that here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. It really does bother me how something like immigration being the sneaky, uh, the sneaky issue of the 2022 midterms. How an, how an analysis like that can somehow go out on a major network's website like CNN. Chris Saliza gets paid a lot of money to give you the absolute base level analysis. I could come in here having just woken up and give you that analysis like, by the way, you guys watch the border, something wicked this way comes. But I've been talking to you guys about immigration, about the Hispanic vote for months now. We've been on the air, this show has been on the air, for three months and nine days. And in that time, I've told you dozens of times, immigration's the issue. It's going to be one that's going to play a big role. The numbers show that. Again, let me tell you the numbers. Among registered voters, 10% strongly approve of Biden's handling of immigration, 25% somewhat approved. That's 35% total approving of Biden's handling of immigration. 14% somewhat disapprove and 42% strongly disapprove. That's 56%. So 35 to 56. That's a 21-point spread in the negatives for Joe Biden. But what you have to remember is you have to look at the Hispanic vote. The Hispanic vote is making a big shift toward the Republican Party. 12% of Hispanic voters approve, uh, uh, strongly approve. 26% somewhat approve. So that's 38% total 
approve of Biden's handling. 38 to 19 percent somewhat disapproving and 31 percent of Hispanic voters strongly disapproving. 31 plus 19 is 50. So I'm sorry, I had that number wrong. It was uh, it was 12 points underwater, not 22 points, 12 points underwater. That's still losing 12% of Hispanic voters on any issue. A Democratic president doing that is bad news. It is extraordinarily bad news for any Democratic administration. But that's where we are. There's something else in these numbers. And let's just take the immigration issue, for example. Among those with a bachelor's degree, 36% approve. And 56% disapprove. Postgrad, 17% and 32% uh, strongly approve and somewhat approve. So that's 52% right there to 45%. So those with more education approve more. But those numbers aren't as high as they should be among the educated, among the highly educated. Those with less than a college degree, 32% approve, 58% disapprove. We typically refer to those with less than a four-year degree or a bachelor's degree. Typically, that makes up the bulk of our working class. The elite academic types are the ones with the postgraduate degrees. Typically, the Democrats have claimed for decades to be the party of the working man. And the working man is not thrilled with the Biden administration. Why is that? Because the working man is facing higher prices due to, in, due to gas and oil shortages, inflation, supply chain issues, all of these economic issues that have been plaguing us for months now. The working class is suffering most under it. It's the elites. It is the, the ones with the postgraduate degrees that are telling us, well, you just need to invest in an electric vehicle. Which, by the way, average about 14,500 more than a regular vehicle when you go to buy them. I know. I was car shopping recently. I considered a hybrid. Even then, the price difference is astounding. When you go into full electric vehicles, the price difference is astounding and the technology still isn't perfect. Oh, but you just, just buy your electric vehicles. You won't worry about the gas prices. Well, we can't really do that. We can't all just flip that switch and buy a car that's $14,500 more than we're willing to pay, especially in a, job, in, a, in a market that has used cars prices inflated about 15 to 20% above what they normally are. The party of the working class doesn't actually care about working class problems right now. A while back, they had a story and there was this family that bought a ton of milk. Like four gallons of milk a week or something like that. It was a lot. And CNN and the other media outlets all made fun of this family for talking about how much milk they bought. And, among, and when it came to uh, the supply issues... And milk shortages and the, uh, the skyrocketing price of milk and other dairy products. Well, just don't buy that much milk. Do you understand what raising a family with children is like? They go through a lot of milk. Kids love milk. 
for the most part. My kids are somewhat iffy on it. But the working class party is no longer the working class party. It is the party of academics and elites that are looking down on the voters. Is it any wonder that a demographic that doesn't really have a hand, a, a, a lot of its voters in the elites, like Hispanics, is it any wonder they're shifting away from the Democrats? Now, keep in mind, that is not saying that Hispanic voters are becoming Republicans and conservatives left and right. There is no such thing as a permanent political majority. There is no such thing as a permanent political ally. The times are constantly a-changing, to paraphrase the song. And right now, the Democrats have chased Hispanic voters away. Republicans cannot take Hispanic voters for granted. Because what's going to happen is Republicans will chase Hispanic voters right back to the Democrats. But there is cause for celebration for Republicans and conservatives right now. Democrats have long considered Hispanic voters to be a permanent part of their voting base. And they took advantage of that. Hispanic voters, however, care about some social issues. They hate the academics saying, well, you just use Latinx or Latinx or Latinx or whatever the phrase is. What the Hispanic voters don't like is their language being corrupted by the white academic elites to fit their little social agenda. They are more socially conservative on LGBT issues than white liberals are. They are more socially conservative on issues of immigration. They are more socially conservative on a lot of issues that Democrats have claimed there is no big tent for. But they want the Hispanic voters a lot, and they want to keep making sure that the Republicans are cast as racist and xenophobic and whatever else. So they can try to keep the Hispanic voters, but have actually done nothing for Hispanic voters and are actually now chasing them away. As a result, the Biden administration is now 12 points underwater on the issue of immigration among Hispanic voters. That is a gigantic red flag, folks. We're going to stop it there. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, a bridge in Baton Rouge does not appear to be getting the funding that John Bell Edwards wants. We're going to talk about that in some more state issues here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the show before I hop on over to the next subject, we've got David on the line. David, how are you today? Oh, good. Um, I had no idea that you were a local show for the longest time. I was thinking you were a nationally syndicated uh, show, but uh, you do a great job. I enjoy your show quite a bit. Um, well, thank you very much. I I'm, appreciate um, it. Yeah, great. I uh, I am one of these uh, conservatives that uh, grew up leaning hard to the left, especially in my later teen years and mm-hmm. through most of my college uh i am uh i have postgraduate i've completed postgraduate work i work in the science field and i'm uh i it wasn't until somewhere into my graduate um post-grad work where i really swung hard to the right and 
a lot of it was for me was directly what was going on at work, which was um, uh, climate. Uh, well, not it wasn't climate change at the time; it was global warming, which mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that so many people in my profession just bought into a theory and I took it to some extreme uh, as it was fact. Uh, that was one thing, but then it was just other things too. Like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an economist, but I do understand that if you print boatloads of money that you really don't have, you're going to cause the value of the money that's in circulation to decrease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand immigration. My, I married a, I married a Venezuelan. She came here legally, um, and I never really thought much about it until I realized how aggravated she was by how so many people were coming across the border just illegally, and nothing was being done to them. And she paid quite a bit of money to get herself here legally, as mm-hmm. well as trying to get her parents here. And for the life of me, I, didn't, I never can quite understand why so many uh, highly educated people continue to vote Democrat or at least are liberal minded. It just didn't take me that long to see that, you know, uh, liberals or um, progressives, really everything they talk about is in theory, Mm -hmm. whereas it seemed like I always said conservatives put things into practice and it was easily provable, you know. And um, so anyway, I'm one of those probably that's probably opposite where the, the older and the more educated I got, uh, especially reading people like Thomas Sowell, who's a, 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 a I, I can't recommend him enough to a lot of people that want to know a little bit about economics in plain language. He does a great job at that. But um, yeah. Anyway, no, you're, um, you're absolutely and you're kind that's of kind of what I wanted to say. Yeah, you and I are kind of in the same boat there. Um, I went to for high school. I was in a Catholic school, which typically doesn't end well for a lot of people who want to stay religious, uh, especially my generation. Catholic school, I beat the religion out of out of a lot of people in my generation, but then I go to college. I, I, there's no reason I should be a conservative at all. I went to a liberal arts school. Uh, I started, I wanted to be in education. I switched my major to journalism. I double majored in journalism and sociology. I worked for a university newspaper. I, uh, and, and I went into the field of journalism, then switched to education. Statistically, Man, I don't know how you stayed. How did you ever become a conservative? Statistically, <laughs> I should not exist. But I'll tell you, my one is kind of like you. You just had that one realization where the people in your field were doing one thing and you couldn't understand why. Here was the exact moment that I knew it perhaps wasn't for me. They had during the 2008 election an Obama campaign rally. It wasn't Obama didn't come himself, but the state Democratic Party was doing rallies on university campuses across the state. And so they had this big pro-Obama rally on Northwestern State's campus. And I went and I covered it. And I noticed something while I was there. And then I started paying attention to the campaign and I saw it in all the television spots, all the coverage and everything. It wasn't a presidential election. It was a bunch of groupies. It was a rock star moment. Barack Obama wasn't a politician in that moment. He was a rock star and everybody was falling in love with the person and not paying attention to what the person said. And I realized that I want something of substance in my politics. I didn't then know if I was conservative or Republican. I was pretty disillusioned by both. I was very anti uh, anti authority at that point anyway. Um, uh, uh, just a constant loop of John Mellencamp's authority song playing in my head. But 
I, I realized in that moment that when Barack Obama was the best thing that the Democratic Party could produce and all it was just because he was a rock star, I realized that's not the movement I want to be part of. And that's kind of where you and I are different than what statistically we see. If we look at the exit polling numbers from 2020, for example, the majority. Well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of conservatives in the, uh, there's a lot of conservatives uh, and right, I would say, you know, right-leaning people in the scientific fields, mm-hmm. but they keep their mouths shut. Yeah, yeah. So oh, like, kind of you... like I did, you know, you, you keep your mouth shut or you're going to be shunned by academia. You're, you're not going to be sent to the schools you want to get go to for to further your professional uh you, you know your professional training you just keep your mouth shut and then in, in, it's like you meet in secret you, you kind of know who is conservative by how they don't root, you know root for the for the leadership's uh uh latest uh call to arms you know they they mm-hmm. like sit there kind of glum and you're like hey i noticed you weren't cheering on the uh the new directive, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of realize who kind of look around the room. You say, ah, oh, I, I think I see some like-minded people in here, but nobody wants to admit it. Yeah. You kind of see kinda in their funny. eye when they're exasperated by the talking points going down and you know where, you know where else that happens a lot, not just in the scientific community in Hollywood, in Hollywood, there is actually a decent number of conservatives. They just keep their heads low because they will be kicked well, no. out of that of their social circles if anybody finds out it's largely for the same reason the, oh, the you look at john voight john voight's the same way yeah i mean um, and he's pretty much shunned uh, nick cersei is another one pretty much shunned for most hollywood circles but it's because it's more of a cult the, the in the scientific community it's the climate change cult it is absolutely more religious fanaticism with climate change than there is really any data that's supporting a lot of it and in Hollywood, it's kind of the same thing. These are the people that we, you know, we, we rub shoulders with, and we don't want to, we, we want to be given access to those circles as well as our Hollywood circles, so they all intermingle together. It's a cult. They all exist in the same circles. They want to keep it that way. We've got, uh, David, yeah. thank you very much You're for right. the call. I appreciate the conversation. We've got to take a break. Anybody else who wants to call in, 232-1542, glad to have you all on the air. When we get back, Uh, The bridge is apparently not happening in Baton Rouge. We'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Okay, so I lied. I'm going to push the bridge talk to tomorrow because I think actually this is going to be one of the topics of conversation on Winging It Wednesday. By the way, I'll be on Acadiana's Morning News tomorrow on Winging It Wednesday. Me, Democratic strategist Stephen Hanwork uh, from 7 to 8 tomorrow morning. That will be a fun time. I love being on with Stephen because we have some great debates. But I'm going to push the bridge talk to tomorrow's show. I'm going to talk about an issue you actually probably do not have not heard much about unless you just spend a lot of time online. But there is a point to me bringing it up. Taylor Lawrence is, I've talked about her before. You may not know her from Eve. But she is a reporter at the Washington Post, and her entire existence as a reporter has been to report about what people that she doesn't like are saying on social media. She put out a story on a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. Now, Libs of TikTok is an account on Twitter and on TikTok. They find the videos, the TikToks that are posted by ultra-liberal progressive folks, and lately has been focusing on a lot of trans activists in the wake of the Florida Parental Rights and Education Act. And what these teachers are saying about how they're, they really are planning to indoctrinate or groom their kids 
their students as part of the trans movement. And the, all this account does is point it out. And the more the media has reacted negatively to this account, the more followers it's gotten. It's got a lot of followers on social media. And it's pointed out a lot, a lot of people you don't actually want to see in a classroom because they are trying to indoctrinate their students. And that is a no-no in, in the education world, or it should be. But Taylor Lawrence reported on this. Now, a few weeks ago, Taylor Lawrence was crying in a televised interview about how people are picking on her online. Her entire M.O. has been to pick on people online and shame them. I mentioned a couple years ago, when she was at the New York Times, she wrote an article that essentially praised students and teachers who publicly shamed peers who held problematic views. So Lawrence has released this story and libs of TikTok is an anonymous account. You're not supposed to know who's behind it. The person doesn't really want to be uh, named and it, it's, that's perfectly fine. I'm fine with anonymous accounts. They troll me all the time. I don't care who they are, but some people, especially when they get big, they don't want their, their names dragged into it. And that's understandable because it is a nasty, vicious, vindictive society online. Well, Lawrence figured out who it was and expose them, dox them. Doxing online is exposing somebody's private information when they don't want it out there. The thing is, this isn't just Taylor Lawrence who does it. And this is what this is why I bring it up, because it is a trend in our media that we have to pay attention to. A few years back, some anonymous user on Twitter created an animated little an animated picture of Donald Trump. It was a, it was a video clip from Donald Trump when he did a brief stint in WWE clotheslining somebody and they had photoshopped CNN's logo on the person that Trump was clotheslining. And a reporter at CNN named Andrew Kaczynski, who I typically like, but he is very of the left and some of his quirks aggravate me to no end, tracked down who this person was and exposed them, doxed them, gave their public information, and pretty much shamed them into silence. They deleted their social media account after a while. These are the new rules of journalism. My buddy, uh, Stephen Miller, not the one that worked for, for Donald Trump, but guy online writes about the media a lot. Stephen L. Miller writes at the Washington Examiner. Lawrence is what the media are now. In 2017, CNN's Andrew Kaczynski tracked down an anonymous Reddit user who had created a GIF of President Donald Trump clotheslining a wrestler at a WWE event with the CNN logo replacing the opposing wrestler's head. In 2019, when a joke of a drunk Nancy Pelosi, the creator simply reduced the speed of the video, spread around, Kevin Polson of the Daily Beast tracked down and doxed the person who did it, revealing he is an ex-con living in the Bronx who was working as a forklift operator. In 2018, Huffington Post writer Luke O'Brien doxed and revealed the identity of a pro-Trump Twitter user, including information regarding a popular Brooklyn deli that her siblings owned and was not related to her social media post. The deli was soon threatened with boycotts and negative Yelp reviews. That deli eventually shut down, I think. The media is out there to silence the problematic, silence the opposition. That's a fact. That is a demonstrable fact based on their actions. And Taylor Lawrence is just the latest weaponized reporter to do so. Her tactics 
are despicable. She's not new. She's not innovative in it. She's just the hardest working journalist at the moment doing it. The media wants to silence libs of TikTok and other problematic anonymous accounts. They don't want you to be anonymous if you're saying things they don't like. Libs of TikTok, their sin was simply exposing what the people who publicly po posted on social media were doing. That was her, that was that account's sin. A Jewish woman, a real estate agent, they went and dug her uh, dug up her real estate license. They dug up her background, exposed it for the entire internet to see. Back in 2020, the New York Post dropped a story about Hunter Biden's laptop. And Twitter made it to where you couldn't share the link to that story and suspended the New York Post's account. And Facebook made it to where you couldn't share that story. And they were able to, to squash that story. To, to, to make sure nobody could spread it, nobody could talk about it. And all the media rallied around it. It was disinformation. It was fake information. Twitter labeled it uh, personal information, that, and it was against the terms of service to share it. It is against Twitter's terms of service to share the Hunter Biden laptop story because of the documents found on the laptop that were discussed in the story. But it's fine with Twitter if you expose the identity of somebody whose sole uh, whose sole reason for posting on the internet is to point out when teachers are saying they're about to indoctrinate their kids in the trans movement or when ultra progressives are saying something ridiculous online. That is a problem. And that is why the media, there's no trust in them at all. And there's a reason that the social issues are chasing people to the Republican Party this midterm election. Because when you go after the voices who are just pointing out what the ultra progressives are saying and, and apparently frequently saying in classrooms, when you point that out, you're defending what those teachers are doing in classrooms. And we have a lot of data out there right now that shows parents don't want their kids exposed to that. And yet, here we are. Here we are, a few months away from the 2020 midterms, and the media is going out of their way to defend the very people who want to indoctrinate your kids in the classroom. That's it. That is what's chasing people away from the Democrats. This super, ultra, crazy progressive mindset. We're going to take a 23-hour break. We're going to come back. You can follow me on Twitter in the meantime at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and check out the podcast version of the show, kitchenpundit.substack.com, or go to your favorite podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, wherever. Check out the show, and I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.